Hello, this is Coach Tim Campbell, and I'm your host for the Self Made is a Myth, Make a Difference Together show, where we're talking with successful business owners to hear their journeys to building their business. And because we know that success in business is not something that we can do on our own, we're taking some time to recognize the folks who have helped us along the way and giving them some shout outs on this show and hearing about the way that they helped the successful business owners to excel. I'm excited to have a fellow business owner uh, with us today from Indiana. My guest and his wife have taken their kids to 35 national parks and have four more planned over the next two years. In his downtime, he plays uh, sand volleyball uh, all year round, and he's in a very competitive league. So we'll want to hear a little bit more about that here in a minute. And he's most proud of his kids and watching them bloom into leaders as they become adults. It's my pleasure to welcome Jason to the show today. Hello, Jason. Hey, Tim. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to the conversation. Absolutely. Well, hey, let's start with having you introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit of your personal story, like where you were born and live and a little bit about your family and hobbies. Yeah, so name is Jason Butler. Uh, the last name is spelled weird. It's got an E in there. We say it's spelled B-E-U-T-L-E-R. I've asked Grandpa where the E came from. He has no idea. <laughs> uh, so we think we're German, but we don't really know. But uh, we said Butler for as long as we all, as the family can remember. Uh, originally from Indiana, um, my uh, father moved around quite a bit growing up. So I lived pretty much in every major city north of Indianapolis. Uh, though I say I graduated from, uh, or I, I say South Bend is home because I graduated high school from there. <laughs> uh, and then um, let's see, I've got two kids. I've got a 20-year-old uh, that is a sophomore at Belmont University down in Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, I have a 17-year-old uh, that is into music and uh, plays uh, volleyball himself on the high school team. So hobbies are, are for the most part for me, it's uh, hiking. Uh, we like doing day hikes at, at the national parks and volleyball. I play a lot of volleyball, um, two or three times a week. Uh, it's hard to see on a video, but I am six foot six, so uh, I don't have to be good. I just have to be tall. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And um, I mentioned it earlier, uh, uh, your wife, tell us about her. Yeah, so my wife and I have been married, let's see, 24 years this year. Congratulations. Uh, so thank you. We got married actually while we were still in college. Uh, Kendra and I run the business together, so she does everything that's important, and uh, I go out and about and sell, and uh, and I'm the the face of the business. But she's the one who makes it all happen behind the scenes. And uh, how'd you get into sand volleyball? You know, uh, let's see. We had uh, moved down to Indianapolis after we got married, and I ran into a group of people that were at, that said they were playing, and they asked me to come play with them. Uh, mostly because I was tall. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'd always enjoyed volleyball, but you know, in the 90s, volleyball wasn't that big of a thing uh, yeah. for men. Uh, and so uh, there, I, my team, my high school didn't have a team or anything like that. So I uh, started playing and found I really kind of enjoyed it. Um, and then uh, one thing led to another and I decided to come out to a, a uh, just a, a Sunday afternoon, uh, two on two sand volleyball league. Uh, I'd never really played that competitively before, and I knew the guy who was organizing the league, and he hooked me up with somebody who had played at the Olympic level mm -hmm. um, and said, he will 
he will have you playing really well by the end of this tournament. And uh, <laughs> so that was what, maybe 15 years ago uh, that, that uh, changed me. Cause I, I, again, he was, he was all over me and he, he taught me how to play in about his <laughs> work of, of coaching. So it was fun. That's awesome. Hey, Jason, is there a funny story that your family likes to tell about you that you'd be willing to share with us today? Well, you know, um, growing up, I, I, I was actually a, a pretty short kid um, for most of, of my uh, life. So middle school, I was one of the shorter kids out there. Between my freshman year and sophomore year, I grew over a foot. Oh, wow. Um, and so, uh, as you can imagine, if you grow that fast, um, hand-eye coordination <laughs> is just not a thing. Like, like I, I had trouble walking upstairs. I, I couldn't, I, I mean, you, you see the the videos of like deer as they're born, barely able to, to function. That would be <laughs> like a whole year. Um, and uh, one of my uh, high school friends, I actually tried out for golf at the time. And again, like I have no hand-eye coordination at all. So I'm terrible at all this. And he was a really big Disney cartoon fan. And so he just went, just started calling me Goofy um, because uh, I I was that goofy. I was that out of control <laughs> all the time. So it stuck. And uh, so when in golf, uh, I ended up my senior year, they bought me a a golf bag with the goofy playing golf <laughs> on it. And uh, that's just sort of was my, my nickname in high school. And uh, it stuck because I was so uncoordinated. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. I love it. <laughs> Jason, tell us, how did the business come about? And at what point did you have the confidence that you could run your own business? Um. So entrepreneurially was entrepreneurship was sort of in my blood early on. Um, I started a, well, I didn't take a step back a little bit. So while I'm in college, the dot-com bubble starting to kind of grow a little bit. And uh, it, basically, if you could program at all, you were getting pretty well-paying jobs. Mm -hmm. And so in the late 90s, I, I got a job while I was still in school uh, writing some software for a website. Um, that business ended up going under. Uh, but the the three of us that were building that website were like, man, we're pretty good at this and people are willing to pay money for it. Why don't we try it on our own? Mm -hmm. Uh, so we started a business uh, in 99, uh, 98, 99, and um, had no idea what we were doing. Uh, it was a disaster. Uh, we ran it into the ground. I mean, it, we ran it for about three or four years. Uh, best lessons I've ever learned <laughs> came from that time frame. But, you know, it, it got in my blood. Um, so even though we were not successful, uh, it it made me realize that, hey, man, I, I think I could probably do this. Mm. Um, and so in 2010, uh, the time had come, my wife had encouraged me and, uh, I had gone through a series of other things through, uh, I actually went to the university of Notre Dame to get an MBA and that kind of gave me a little bit of confidence and I decided, you know, it's time to get back out on my own again. Uh, and so really that's where uh, we decided to go after this. Um, I think to be a business owner, you have to be a little delusional, um, <laughs> like you, you have to think. A, that you've got ideas that are better than anyone else in the world. You've got to believe that you can execute better than anyone else. Like you got to have a belief in yourself that's pretty deep. And um, so it, it took a little while for me to kind of rebuild that after I messed up the first business. But uh, uh, like I said, once it's in my blood, I just I couldn't get it out. So <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so the the always always looking to to figure out how to do something better than than other people and 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 monetize that is that yes. a fair understanding yeah yes that's that's how it, that's how it started right that's how i am so well tell us about your your company today what 
Uh, what's the name? What do you guys do? How do you help people? So the company is called RoboSource. Uh, what we do is um, we're really passionate around uh, helping people basically do work that matters. Uh, we believe in meaningful work. I believe you want to wake up in the morning and you want your job to be important, um, that you want to make a difference in people's lives. One of the things that keeps us from doing that are a lot of the mundane everyday tasks that happen. Um, just things that you have to do to keep business running. So we're a software development company uh, that specializes in artificial intelligence and automation. So we basically build software bots to help small and mid-sized businesses automate the mundane tasks to free up their team to do things that are impactful and strategic for the business. Wonderful. What are some examples of those mundane tasks that you can automate? Yeah, so we've gone everywhere from um, one of our clients uh, received over 300,000 incoming transcripts every year, and they had to run them through an eligibility process. Hmm. Those transcripts are coming in uh, as PDFs, and they're all in different formats, and they had to hand key the grades, the classes, the schools into a system so they could determine eligibility. Uh, we automated that process for them. Took them from about 50 people doing that down to about five, just dealing with the exceptions that came out. Uh, that's 45 people they were able to distribute through the rest of the business to do strategic things. Um, that's one kind of high extreme example. The other level is uh, we've got another client that's a recruiter. And one of the things that they need to do is uh, navigate LinkedIn, identify potential candidates for jobs they're trying to fill. Uh, they then have to look up their email and phone number information, and then they have to put it into a, a candidate tracking uh, application. Uh, they're paying people to hand key moving all of that data. We wrote a software bot that did that for them. Oh, wow. uh, so every day, basically, whenever they decide, they can say, hey, bot, go transfer the data. In about 15 minutes, it'll move 200 names from one system to the other for them. Yeah. Um, Another interesting example, uh, I'm sure you've all heard of ChatGPT now. Mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of the hot thing. Well, one of the things that we've done uh, is work with a uh, company that, or a, a doctor who was essentially handwriting all of their emails back to their, their clients and their patients, telling them, uh, kind of helping kind of guide them on, on actions they need to take based upon blood work that they were receiving. Uh, using ChatGPT-like technology, not exactly ChatGPT, but uh, technology similar to that. We actually build the email now for them. Uh, and uh, so take the incoming data, generate the outcoming email so that it can get sent to the patient, put it in a draft status so the doctor can review it. Instead of spending 30 to 40 minutes uh, analyzing and sending it out, she's now spending about five. Oh, so wow. it allows her to, to continue to, to meet with new um, new patients, which is really where, where her revenue driver is. So yeah. Uh, Those are just some of the high-level quick ones that came to mind. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. One of the things that uh, that we talk about with clients is that about eighty percent of of day-to-day -day, you know work in a business is routine work. It, it is stuff that can be automated. So I love what you guys are doing to be able to free up the the business owner and the and the the team to be able to um, deal with the exceptions and humanize the exceptions. So that's fantastic. Exactly. Yeah. Jason, share a story where someone uh, pushed you or inspired you that you could do it, even though maybe you didn't think you could and the impact that that person had on you. <laughs> well, I I have to say my wife. Um, so when our, our first business that we started while we were in school came to an end and I ended up having to work my way up through uh, the corporate world, 
um, that was a, a hard ego hit uh, <laughs> and a, a hard, uh, I basically kind of went into a little depression over the, the fact that I had failed and I was struggling with, you know, what does that mean for me? Uh, wasn't really accomplishing the goals that I had in my life. Um, I, at the time, I'd actually uh, had worked my way up to becoming vice president of IT for a company. So it wasn't like I, I wasn't making an impact in work. It just wasn't the impact I wanted to be making. Right. Uh, and And I had a sort of an underlying doubt in myself uh, as a result of some of the failures I had had prior. And so uh, my wife knew that a lifelong dream of mine was to go to Notre Dame, uh, having graduated high school up in South Bend and been around a lot of that environment. Uh, it was uh, an area that it was a school that I was very passionate about. Uh, but the, I, you know, there is, there's this fear. It, it's one thing to be able to say, I have a dream about going to Notre Dame, but I never really tried. <laughs> uh, and so I probably could have, uh, but you know, it just, the cards weren't dealt that way. It's another to apply and be rejected. Um, and, uh, th that's a, a different level of like, they didn't want me. Right. So, right. so there's a little bit of that fear, uh, especially in my late twenties, uh, at this point in, in my life, my wife pushed me hard, uh, to go ahead and apply to, uh, the executive MBA program up at Notre Dame. Uh, and lo and behold, I was accepted. Uh, and uh, spent 22 months with some of the best leaders in the world. Uh, they'd fly in from all over. Uh, I mean, we're talking like from uh, overseas in Singapore, from uh, from San Jose, California, from Guatemala, from Philadelphia. They'd all fly in, and, and these are leaders at you know eBay and KPMG and Disney and Alcoa, and they're all flying in uh, for class. And I sat in class with 60 of probably the best leaders in the country. Um, not only learning the the masters of business education curriculum, but also learning from them around me, sure. uh, from all of these leaders around me. And so Kendra pushed me to go after it. But then I'm surrounded by these leaders that um, on one hand uh, was inspirational because I learned from them daily. On the other hand, made me realize that they're all people, too. Yeah. Um, and that I actually had quite a bit to offer from the technology space uh, that uh um, I knew more about a certain topic than any of them ever hoped to. And it gave me a, a level of confidence that uh, I was like, no, I have something to offer and something to bring here. Uh, so that Notre Dame experience was really kind of formidable. And it only would, it only happened because Kendra literally filled out like half the application for me. It's <laughs> <So. laughs> awesome. Isn't it amazing how powerful that that doubt and fear can be? And, and stop us from realizing, you know, our full potential. And it, it happens all the time. It's just, it's such a powerful, uh, so, so it's almost a physical barrier to, you know, becoming who we, who we're meant to be. Yes. And it, it does, it, it feels physical when you're experiencing it. Um, the, just even the ability to make yourself do something. I, I, I laugh now because I can't imagine having not gone to Notre Dame, but beforehand, literally <laughs> as there's a, 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 an essay you're supposed to write and Kendra is sitting right next to me going, all right, type the next word, right? Like, <laughs> it's like I just had such a low self-belief in myself at the time uh, that it was a, like you said, as a physical barrier, keeping me from moving forward. Um, now I think my wife wished I had a little bit more, uh, self-doubt, <laughs> right? But yeah, <laughs> so. well, uh, I thank goodness for, 
for Kendra and for those listening, if you don't have a, a Kendra, make sure you do because having that support system and that encourager and motivator to, to push you beyond what you think you're you're capable of can have tremendous results in your not only in your your personal life but also in your your professional life. So yes. well thank you, Kendra. Yes, absolutely. Jason, what's the biggest learning uh, you've had as a business owner? Uh, failure and mistakes will happen. Mm. They don't necessarily reflect on you. Mm. Um, uh, this in 2018, we had grown really quickly. Um, so uh, really, the the arc of the business was I kind of just ran it myself till about 2015. Uh, from 2010 to 2015 was just sort of me doing consulting on the side. Uh, didn't really have a vision for the business other than I'm really good at technology, so I'm going to consult and, and train or and help other people execute on a technology and software. Uh, 2015, we decided to make the, the pivot towards actually building a software consulting company. Uh, and we grew very quickly from 2015 to 2018, ended up with about 35 employees. We were making very good margins. Uh, we had grown uh, effectively. I had diversified, I thought, uh, well enough. Um, and then uh, in 2018, uh, December, right around Christmas, uh, five of my clients all, for various reasons, ended up having edicts that consultants were out or they merged with another company. or uh, And we lost about 70% of our revenue in about a month and a half. Um, that's, a, that's a gut punch, right? Um, and uh, I was not, I had not gone through enough failure to realize that it's okay. And the way I approach the failure is actually more important than the failure itself. Right. Uh, and so for me, that learning was, you know, had I shifted my mindset to be like, okay, what new opportunities do I have? Uh, we would have recovered a lot faster than me sitting there ruminating on what I could have done different. Yes. <laughs> and uh, so failure is going to happen. That's okay. Um, it's not the failure that matters. It's what, what you're going to do with it. That's important. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I'd say probably the biggest learning that I've learned over the last probably five years. Yeah. I, I love that. What you said of, it's not, it's not about reflecting on the, the woulda, coulda, shoulda. It's how quickly do you respond to how, what am I going to do next? Yeah. yeah. I was exactly. just reviewing, um, our business or my business with my coach uh, earlier this week and looking at trend lines over the last you know few years. And, and uh, one of the things she pointed out was, Hey, look at two years ago, you know, because every business has its up and downs, right. Oh. And, and your, our peaks and valleys. And she said, Hey, two years ago, your, your, your slump was, you know, this many months. And so, right. When, and then last year, the slump was shorter. And so what are you learning from that? It's like, well, it, it's, it's what you said, right. We, yeah. we can pivot, we can adapt, we can get out of a downturn in the business, but it's, it's, it's mental, right. It's our mindset. Yeah. It's do we believe and are we ready to do the next right thing? Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think that's so much of this, uh, so much of sports is mental, mm. so much business is mental. Uh, and it's my mindset that really drives the, uh, I can look back and almost tie my uh, profitability to the mindset that I had at that point in, the, in my life. Yes. I've actually done that exercise um, to, for a presentation I gave and, and there's a, an exact correlation to where my mindset was and, and how the business was doing. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is.
Jason, we know that business success doesn't happen in isolation. So tell us about one of your biggest challenges during the years and, and maybe a fellow business owner who came alongside you and helped you get through that. So um, uh, hopefully I'm not uh, oozing geek, nerd, dork, whatever the term is these days, uh, too much on this, but that's what I am. I am a computer scientist. I am a programmer. Uh, I am a Mountain drink, Mountain Dew drinking card computer <laughs> science nerd. Um, so be and, you. I love it. Yes. So that's who I am and I love it. Um, but uh, the hardest transition for me is I when I started a business, I never... The list of things I can't wait to do on, when I own my own business, uh, one item that never made the list was sales, mm. selling. Like it was the last... like. Matter of fact, it didn't ever even cross my mind that I was going to have to do that. I just <laughs> people would come to me because I was so smart, you know. Yeah. Um, it doesn't work that way, and so uh, <laughs> I'll never forget. I was out with a client, selling a client once, uh, talking about some custom software we could build for him, and we're about ten minutes into the conversation. He's sitting there polite, and then he just puts his hand up. He goes, "Just stop for a minute. You don't know how to sell, do you?" And I was like. Oh, ouch. <laughs> he goes, you're really bad at it. I said, oh, yeah. He goes, yeah, let me introduce you to somebody. And so he introduced me to Brian Kavicki. Um, and Brian Kavicki uh, is a, a business owner who basically taught me how to sell. Um, but more importantly, um, again, he's part of the, the he's one of the people who really taught me about my mentality um, and really was like, you know, even in the sales conversation, uh, you know, I kept coming into it from here's the problems that I can solve or here's the the solutions I have for you. And he's like, no, 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 no. Well, it's about them. Like, it's your mentality. Like, what value are you bringing to them? What is it that they need done? How can you help them? Uh, and so his uh, teaching me how to sell through understanding and empathizing with other people uh, was a really big impact. But I'd say over the years, my biggest challenge has been that, uh, you know, I'm not necessarily a salesman. Uh it's really not in my DNA per se, uh, but I've gotten pretty good at it. Uh, and the reason is because it, I realized that it's not about me. It's not about what I'm doing. It's 100% about them. And and I can be interested in other people. Yes. Yes. It makes it a whole lot easier, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Uh, so um, that's uh, he had a big influence on me from that standpoint. We call what you just described. We call that professionally helping others to make a decision that's right for them. Yeah. And it's when that I had the same shift in my mindset of, oh, well, I can help other people make a decision that's right for them. If I'm not, if I don't have to sell them, I'm just right. guiding and directing them. And a no is okay if it's not right for them. That's a whole lot less stressful. Yeah, by a long shot. And it's actually <laughs> kind of fun. Right? <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. Thank you for sharing. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot here. If if I was to ask you to pick three people in your business owner journey that you're most grateful for being there for you, for your businesses, that, you know, helping in your business's growth, who are those three people and how they help you? Uh, well, Kendra is going to come up first. Uh, she is my wife. Um, she is also the president of the company. Uh, she is, uh, in a lot of ways, the yin to my yang. Mm. Uh, I am a, a visionary, extrovert, uh, lots of new ideas. Um, type of person. And she's a, hold on, let's think about that idea. Let's make sure people, uh, it's actually helping people. Yeah. Um, and let's get the details in order and 
<laughs> make sure you're filing your taxes, you know, all those things. <laughs> right? Yes. So, um, not to mention, uh, you know, she's my spouse. So at the end of the day, she sees all aspects of me. Um, and so that is that support network uh, in, in her is, is invaluable. Um, the next one, obviously, that comes to mind is Brian uh, because of the sales aspect. But I'm going to go ahead and, and use a different person than, than Brian. Uh, another person that really helped me was uh, Dan Lacey from a finance standpoint. Um, I have, you know, I went and got the MBA. I, I you know, know all the, the book knowledge, but that's different than executing it in reality. <laughs> yes. uh, and so at some level, um, he was a, a coach that came in and sat next to us, especially during that growth from 2015 to 2018, uh, and just gave me the, like, the practical advice that isn't necessarily in the books, um, that you wouldn't know until you're faced with it. Like, hey, you know what, as you're growing, you're probably not going to have cash. Like right. you would think I'm growing, I'm going to have a lot of cash. It's like, no, you're probably not. And, <laughs> and here's why. And then you look at it, you're like, oh, this is exactly how it's playing out. And mm -hmm. uh, so just that practicality, right? The, 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 the feet on the ground, this is just, you know, don't get all caught up in the numbers. There's yeah. some basics here. And uh, he, he kind of helped bring that, that practical, uh, uh, emotionless approach to what's going on on that front. Uh, and then last, you know, from the business standpoint, um, he doesn't get enough credit in, in our business as he should, but his, his name is John Hassenmeyer. John actually was my college roommate. Uh, John and I started the first business together uh, that ended up not working in the, in the late nineties, early two thousands. John came on board with me in about 2013 uh, and is our, our chief technical uh, resource. Uh, he's an architect. He's got, he's frankly way smarter than I'll ever be. And uh, he's got more experience uh, than, uh, you know, most people in the city. And when it comes to a technical problem, uh, John can solve it. And uh, so, you know, if I'm, if I'm thinking about people that really made RoboSource what RoboSource is, John Hassenmeyer is a really a lot of the brains behind the automation side of things. Um, and has been with us through thick and thin now for, I guess, over 10 years. So. Awesome. I, I loved what you said earlier about the 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 yin and yang. Um, I often uh, so we use uh, disk assessments to help understand the way people think and 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 communicate and process information. And and oftentimes I find that opposites attract. So whether it's um, married couples, usually they're opposite, as well as business partners tend to be opposite as well, because subconsciously, we do know that we need our opposite to be a whole complete person. Yeah. And, um, but then practically, I often see that sometimes there can be that rub of, oh, my goodness, you know, why are we not, you know, why are we not getting along? It's because we see the world so differently. So I love that that you have that appreciation for, for the yin and yang. Um, I'll build off of what I heard you say is, so you're the, you're more the visionary. So that tip generally means that, you know, you can't land the plane or you can't land the plane well. So you need somebody who's, who's <laughs> in the, the detailed into the weeds, want, you know, loves that, wants to embrace that. So you can be the ideator and brainstormer and then, you know, give it to somebody else to say, okay, put all those pieces together and figure out the details and land the plane for me. So exactly. I, I think that's just awesome that you guys have have realized that about one another and you're leveraging each other's strengths. So congratulations. Well, thank you. Um, Jason, if um 
if we think about the future then over the next three to five years, what are the biggest challenges that you see that you're going to face in reaching your goals? And who are the types of people that you're going to need to overcome those challenges? Looking out three to five years, one of the conversations we've had is um, how do we 10x our business? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that's a different way of thinking than just doubling it. It makes me have to like be like, take a big step back. For us, one of the areas that stands in the way is is our business really is very service oriented right now. Um, At the end of the day, we come in and we build custom automations for businesses. Uh, We need to pivot towards more of a product-based focus. Mm -hmm. Um, And and we actually have a product that inadvertently has come up through working with all of our clients uh, that we started building out and that we're moving towards. That is a, a, a big shift for about every aspect of our business. Um, <laughs> I mean, the way you bill is different, right? It's no longer time and materials. It's it's based off a whole different model. The 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 way you market is different. Um, the sales cycle is different. The the finances are different. The metrics that drive the finances are different. Like like everything comes out different. <laughs> um, even the people that I hire technically need different skill sets than the ones that that uh, historically have worked with us. So um, we're very aware that there's a lot we don't know about this. Yeah. Uh, and so there are a series of, of people that I right now are forefront of mind uh, immediately being marketing. Um, how do you market a product? Uh, and how do you market? That's very different than the way I would market a an automation service or an automation solution, uh, the product is going to be a different thing. I don't know how to do that yet. Um, so that's an area I got to work on. Uh, hiring strategies. Um, we've we've got to identify the gaps of, of with the people that we currently have versus what we need. And um, I'm not sure what that looks like yet. So there's, there's a gap there. And, and, and so we've got to find some people that can help come alongside of us to, to find that gap and make sure that we're filling in uh, the right pieces there. Um, product development is a whole different concept than building custom software. Mm. Building custom software, I'm looking very specifically at your processes and I'm making sure I'm executing them in the most efficient possible, most efficient way possible. Product development is... I'm predicting that there are a series of businesses that are going to like right. and value the solution I give them. Yes. So it's it's a very different way of building. Uh, and there's going to be, again, we're going to stub our toe along the way. So uh, th- that's a different way of thinking. So there's a product development. So those are the three that are top of mind for me right now. Uh, though I know finance is going to be an issue, lifetime value of clients and ratios around all of that is going to come <laughs> sure. up. But, but that's for later. <laughs> so. uh, I, I love the mindset shift or, or at least the, you know, diversifying the business. So having you know more of a leverage model, what I would call leverage models, you know, you build it once and you continue to be able to sell it, um, you know, until the next iteration of it versus the, the individual customized software model of you're building it every single time. Yep. Uh, yeah, so that's awesome. That it's it sounds like it's a, a diversification type strategy, which is is great and right in terms of building more more safety into your business model. Yes, that's exactly what needs to happen for us right now. That's awesome. Um, last question here: Jim Rohn says that we become the average of the five people that we spend the most time with. So, what advice would you have for business owners who think that they need to do it on their own? believe the hype on social media that people are self-made and 
and are are attempting to build their business without seeking the the guidance and counsel of others. That's a that's a great point and a great question. Um, the the first thought that comes to my mind is uh, Bob Berg's Go Giver. Uh, I don't know if you've read that one or not or are familiar with it, but um, he has uh, uh, these five laws of stratospheric success or whatnot. And, and one of them that really resonates deeply with me is what he calls the law of influence. Yeah. Um, and by that, he says uh, that your influence is determined by how abundantly you put other people's interests above your own. Uh, and so... I guess the question I would have around a self-made individual is, is how, what influence are you really having? If you've not engaged and surrounded yourself with people that you can actually put their interests above your own, then are you really influencing them? Mm. Uh, or are you really, or are you just kind of forcing your ideas down, on people? Um, again, I don't believe that, that business, uh, the lesson that I learned is business isn't about me. Mm. Uh, this is about how I can help you. And so if I'm going to be influenced, influencing you, I need people around me. Um, but that also means it's not just so that I can be there to help you because that's not a relationship. Mm. A, a relationship comes from the fact that you can help me too. Yeah. And that's, that's really the kinds of relationships that actually build real businesses. And at, and, you know, conversely, give you influence in your community to speak into things. Um, so if you aren't abundantly helping other people and open to them abundantly helping you, then then how are you growing a, a, your influence? That's it, just you're, you're shouting into the wind at that point. <laughs> I love that you're shouting into the wind. Yeah. Yeah. Abundance. I that the as you were describing that book. Um, it made me think, so I'm part of a BNI group. It made me think of their philosophy of giver's gain, right? Mm -hmm. you, you, you get as much as you give and you need to give abundantly. And, and, um, and really at the end of the day, we're, we're here on earth for a very short period of time. So I've, I've read stories of people on their deathbeds. They don't, they don't remember how much money they had. They don't remember, right. They remember the relationships they had and the impact that they had. So. Yeah, exactly. That ties back to what you're saying. That that resonates with me, um, and and to me, that's part of what business is. Is when my mind shifted from, I'm building a business so that I can have the life that I want, to I'm building a business so I can help as many people as possible be able to have the lives that they want. It, that changed everything, um, and uh, it, it did so because they immediately wanted to help me. <laughs> right. Ironically, like. <laughs> um because that's just that's the way people work yeah uh what's the um is it jerry Maguire? help me help you or who who's, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that kind of idea right so. yeah <laughs> jason it sounds like you've been blessed with some incredible people uh in your journey if they were all here on the show today what would you want to say to them oh you know uh thank you um again, we talked earlier about mindset. Psyche is a really fragile thing. And uh, I just appreciate the belief they held in me to help uh, support me when I didn't believe in myself, uh, to, to push me into uh, ways of thinking uh, that helped me grow. Because um, again, I, I, I can't do it. My, my, I'm not mentally strong enough to do it on my own. Um, and I would challenge anyone who says they are. <laughs> so, <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> Jason, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks so much, Tim. 
To everyone who tuned in, thanks for listening to the Self-Made is a Myth show with your host, Coach Tim Campbell. Be sure to help us spread the movement by liking the show and posting about it on your social media. And to join our movement, go to BeMadTogether.com. All right, folks, that's a wrap. Make sure to pay it forward, and I'll see you all next time. Take care.